It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. 3M Open Tournament Recap on the line. Let's bring him in. It's the whole crew. I can't remember the last time we did the whole crew. Maybe it was last Sunday. I don't know. Uh, let's bring him in. Kyle Porter. What up, KP? I just want to know who the better Kepka is. Currently Chase. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> two weeks in a row, I think, right? Has he gotten him two weeks in a row? Uh, well, Chase didn't play the Memorial, did he? Oh, maybe no, no, work day, just work day, maybe work day. Okay, so two Uh, out of three. Greg Ducharme, what up, Greg? Nice haircut. Thank you. Appreciate that. First haircut uh, since the kind of I'll call it the new normal, as we like to say. So it was a unique experience. And we are on YouTube as always. And if you are watching us on YouTube, there it is. You can see Mark Immelman's. uh, What is that? A Hawaiian shirt, Mark. Aloha, brother. Yeah, this is Hawaiian. I'm Hawaiian in Georgia. Eyes on the road, Mark. Do, yeah, <laughs> do with that what you wish. <laughs> Mark makes it happen. He's joining us on the pod from wherever he's at right now. So uh, check us out on YouTube. It is youtube.com slash first cut podcast. Little something extra next week. We'll do our standard DFS preview for uh, the WGC. And then Greg and I, oh, baby. A little, uh, little Barracuda action, Greg. What do you think about that? Yeah, there's a couple of you out there that are, are really looking forward to that one. So I think it's going to be pretty popular. <laughs> you got to be sick, I think. You got to be pretty sick. I think. Yeah. yeah. There's an audience out there. Are you going to uh, do the challenge tour also or no? Sure. Why not? Well, whatever, whatever it takes. If, they, <laughs> if they've got lineups for it, we'll do it. Uh, all right, gentlemen, let's jump into this. Michael Thompson is your 3M Open champion goes out and shoots a four under 67 on Sunday to win by two shots over Adam long, his second career PGA tour victory. And first since the 23, 2013 Honda classic, Kyle, we'll start with you. This stretch of holes that he played at the end of Sunday, 16, 17 and 18, I thought were absolute nails. Like it was, it was cold blooded. I mean, the, the bunker shot on 16 was a joke. Yeah, I, I mean, to even attempt that shot, as I, some people were pointing this out, but water beyond the hole. I mean, if you miss hit that by a by a, if you miss hit that at all, it's kind of over. Like you're in the water, you'd have to. It would just it'd be a complete mess. Um, look, like my thing with Michael Thompson, he's got like the most average name ever, right? <laughs> like he's like the most average looking guy ever. His game is very average. He was lights out uh, over the last, really the last couple of days because he could have ejected on, on Saturday late, could have ejected at any point on Sunday, and he just kept hitting golf shots. And, and I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I was just – I was really impressed by what he did. If you're Michael Thompson, you get what, like, 
I don't know, five shots at winning a tournament in your career, something like that. And to step up and know that and still like hit the shots that you need to, I think we look at it and we're like, Oh, well, yeah, of course. Like he just hit the shots that he'd been hitting all week, but it just, it's very different. And if you talk to any of those guys, they talk about how different it feels on a Sunday, even though there's no fans, you know, there's none of the normal pressure. You still have to, it's still different to hit those shots and it's easier to bail out. It's easier to, to not, um, uh, engage that, un- that discomfort, right? Like late on, on a Sunday yeah. and he did it and he went out and earned it. I, I just, I thought it was cool. Like, I feel like I'm a new Michael Thompson fan just for the way he kind of closed it out. I, I thought it was very cool. Mark, I want to get your opinion on this because there's, there's a couple of things that can get me all choked up, you know, dog stuff, uh, grown men on uh, crying. Uh, and mm-hmm. Michael Thompson, uh, Michael Thompson gave a very, Uh, emotional interview on the 18th green. I mean, this is really life changing stuff. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas. I mean, there's a lot more Michael Thompson's than there are of those other guys. Well, yeah, so right. And and Kyle nailed it, you know, with the opportunities to win and, and people don't realize the grind of it all, you know, what goes into winning for most players on the PGA tour. And, and for a lot of these guys, you know, one, two, three wins in a career are are a big deal. They're life changing and the grind of it behind the scenes, you know, there's blood, sweat, and honestly, a lot of tears and, and the tears of joy are always heartening to me, but they're tears that are going on when you're missing cuts and you don't know where to turn, but I got to commend him for sticking to it. I mean, last win back in 2013 and I got to give some big props to Justin Parsons. I mean, he and Michael Thompson hooked up after Thompson had got together with another instructor and worked on ball striking, worked on neatening up the lines in his golf swing, which got better. But then he began to play a game that he couldn't really trust under pressure. So he got back to Justin Parsons, who works down there in Sea Island. And Parsons just said to him, hey, you got to play Michael Thompson golf. And this resonated because this is what his coach at Alabama, Jay Sewell, said to him. He's like, you do you. You're not going to strike the heck out of it like the other guys, but you can putt and you can let the putter be your superstar. And so they got back to his blueprints. And oftentimes you can stray so far away from that that it's hard to find this again. But apparently they're on a winning wicket. And and it was so heartening for me to see from, from everyone involved because I can tell you from a teacher's standpoint, you know, when the times are tough, you, you take ownership of this sort of stuff. And to have your guy come through, and I'm talking on Justin's behalf, I mean, what a thrill for all of them, but especially for Michael Thompson. Absolutely. He is going to earn a spot into next week's WGC. He's going to earn a spot into the U.S. Open. Greg, he called Wingsfoot, I believe, his favorite course ever is what he said. So we'll be able to see him tee it up at Wingsfoot. But this this kind of goes back, um, I mean, Saturday, Kyle alluded to this, Greg, where it's like the wheels were coming off. I mean, he had a four-shot lead on Saturday. It got wobbly, and he was able to kind of just right the ship uh, get in on 18 with par uh, from kind of an awkward an awkward position, and then he's he's got this co lead heading into Sunday with Richie Warinsky, who we'll talk about in a second. But like, I was very impressed because I feel like a lot of times on tour, these guys who are outside the top 200 in the world and the wheels are about to fall off, they just let the wheels fall off. 
Yeah, well, especially when let's just take it past Saturday, right? He doesn't he he makes par on Saturday, which was huge. I totally agree. And then on Sunday, you get into a situation where you're holding on to a lead, which is a lot of pressure. It seems we talk about it every single week where somebody gives up a lead on the PGA Tour and there are just so many chasers. Look at the leaderboard. I mean, it's 64, 65, 65, 64. You go down the list, everybody's shooting six six under par or better. So you have to go out there and, and you have to get the job done. It's really difficult to do. And then you add in the pressures that um, that Mark and, and Kyle have alluded to. And this is a player who doesn't have his job locked up for next year. Well, he does for next year because of the you know unique circumstances. But getting a two-year exemption on the PGA Tour is the biggest deal of all of us. It's bigger than getting into the U.S. Open, bigger than getting into even Masters in April, honestly, because now he has an opportunity to choose his own schedule. And last year, we saw a player in Max Homa win at the Wells Fargo in 2019. And that win to me, when I look at a Max Homa career timeline, it allowed him to, it freed him up. He could have a little bit more consistency in his results because he can choose where he wants to play and where he doesn't want to play. He can play the schedule that's going to lead to the best performance rather than play the schedule that's going to get you another, um, you know, another 50 FedEx Cup points to move you inside the top 125. And if you look at Michael Thompson through his career, he has had to play as much as he possibly can in order to keep his card. I mean, 27, he's over 20 events basically every year. It can get strenuous and, and that those, those um, PGA tour kind of years over 20 events only include the PGA tour. That doesn't include what he had to play on corn Ferry tour, what he had to play uh, elsewhere around the world. So really big win. And it can really, it, it can change not just your life, but also your career and the events that you play. I don't know if you guys know this. I've played wing foot before. So, um, <laughs> what are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. I just Have you played to... the whole U S open Rota? Uh, apparently I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I might have. Uh, no, I wanted to ask you guys and, and maybe specifically throw it over to Rick. I was thinking about this as, as Thompson won, because a lot of the stuff that Greg mentioned there, like just how meaningful something like this is and he gets choked up and he's kind of crying and he's talking about his family, all these different things. Do you think it's more meaningful to, and I kind of put this out on Twitter, do you think it's more meaningful for Thompson to win the 3M or for somebody like John Rahm to go to number one in the world? Number one in the world is a big deal. Like, I, I don't want to mitigate that, but I was just kind of juxtaposing what we saw last Sunday to this Sunday. I'm curious about what, how you feel about that, Rick. I, I think that it is probably more meaningful to Michael Thompson to win the 3M because what you said earlier, right? He might get like three cracks at this. He might yeah. get three cracks at this ever. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's not often that Michael Thompson sits on the on the 54-hole leader is, or is in contention as deep. Uh, John Rahm, uh, like, like I understand there might be few chances to get the number one, but like he's, he's that good. He's always going to be around or seemingly is always going to be around. So just from a how often is it going to happen standpoint? I think it's more meaningful for, for Michael Thompson. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm sort of, I go along with that, but I also just want to say that every mountain scaled for whoever you are is a big deal. And, yeah. and at the time, I mean, John Rahm, well, let's put ourselves at dinner with John Rahm last Sunday nights, winning the Memorial, becoming world's number one. This is the real, realization of a lifelong dream. And, and you talk about cracks at getting, to number one. I mean, there's a handful of folks that can do this sort of stuff. So, so that was a massive achievement. So from, for me, it's more situational kind of a thing. And I don't care if you're Rory McIlroy or whatever the case might be, 
for Rory last year, winning the Canadian Open with a final round 61. I'm sure he was over the moon at that sort of thing. Now, yeah. would winning the Masters in November be a bigger deal? Well, absolutely, because you got that career Grand Slam thing. So, so, yes. so it's it, it's it's it, it's a hard sort of a deal to to really quantify and compare. As I've got a guy rocking next door to me in a car here, um, but <laughs> but but still, it's it's they they all big achievements because of the the investment that goes into the sort of stuff, not just from the player. But as Michael Thompson said, from the family and such around too. If we're at dinner with John Rahm last Sunday, he's definitely <laughs> paying. And nice red wine. <laughs> there's definitely some good wine being being had. Uh, I loved seeing, and we already talked about this, but I, I think sometimes we get into situations like this, and guys are just so, um, I don't know. They've been out there for so long. They're so hardened. They're so like just whatever, like. Thompson showed legit emotion all weekend. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool because as a, as a, as a consumer, as a viewer, as somebody who covers this, that's what I want. I don't, I don't care that it's just the 3M open. Like that's a, that should be a big deal to you for all the reasons that we've talked about. And so for him to fist pump on Saturday afternoon, for him to um, break down, I mean, he like just, I just, I thought he sort of met the moment in ways that I don't know that other guys would. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I thought it was awesome. So it was, it was a lot of fun all weekend long, Greg, he's not on the outline, but I gotta, we have to tip our cap to Richie Wierenski, who was <laughs> your sleeper. He was uh, a share of the 54 hole lead Swing looked a little bit fast on Sunday. Uh, golf is very hard. The tour is very hard. It was it was just not his day. Yeah, well, it, it speaks as well to the meaning, and it speaks to the you know how impressive what Michael Thompson did was because it's really difficult. And everybody in that situation, pretty much everybody on the leaderboard is inexperienced when it comes to winning PGA Tour events. I mean, yeah. Adam Long won over well a year and a half ago. Charles Howell III won in the wraparound season. Ask him how hard it is to win on the PGA Tour. I mean, the guy's got 96 top 10 finishes and like two wins on the on tour. So it's a really difficult uh, challenge to overcome. But Richie, for me, I mean, yeah, he lived up to it. He kept me interested. I had some laughs. We had some good banter on on Twitter and everything about him. So yeah, it was it was great to see uh, and a player who I think can learn from this kind of thing. Yeah, still, still a big time finish for him. T yeah. three. There was a, there was a nine way tie for third, uh, which is kind of crazy. The the sole uh, second place golfer was Adam Long, and and Mark, I think the storyline with Adam Long here is he like made the cut on the number and goes out and plays his last thirty eight holes, sixteen under par, just goes absolutely nuts. And I, I don't know what the takeaway from that is, other than. Uh, like my big takeaway is the tour is really deep when guys like Adam long, who I've won one time in their career can make the cut on the number and finish second and just, and just go 63, 64. For me to take away is this is a guy that, that is, you, you don't have to be some bummer off the tee to be a birdie machine. Uh, you, you don't have to be a guy that just pins irons all day long to be a birdie machine. If you just piece your golf together, your, your turn, your game together during a tournament, you too can get your share. And, and, and it was a, an impressive deal, but the truth of it is to your point, Rick, um, you know, any one of these guys can get bananas over the weekend when they're kind of freewheeling for me, the, the, uh, kind of where the rubber meets the road is the guys playing under pressure and to, to just build on what Greg had to offer there with Wierenski. 
I mean, let's take a step back one week where John Rahm is a proven tournament winner. But it was looking dicey there at one stage coming down the stretch because yeah. the stuff is so meaningful. And as soon as you add pressure to the equation, statistics go out the window, all the stuff goes out the window because you know now it's big-time stuff and, and stuff starts tightening up and, and your mind starts working at 100 mile an hour. And, and those are those immeasurables that the real champions are able to get by and get comfortable with. The freewheeling golfer is a dangerous yeah. golfer. Uh, here's a couple of guys who have made the cut on the number and won on the PGA Tour since 2010. Brant Snedeker did it at that wacky Farmers Insurance Open in 2016. Carl, That's crazy. Yeah, right? Carl, Carl Pedersen, excuse me, uh, 2010 RBC Canadian. Rory McIlroy, I've heard of him, 2010 Quail Hollow Championship KP. Well, remember when uh, Justin Rose almost did it at Carnoustie yeah. in – what was that? 18 when, when uh, Molinari won, I think it's why, like, I think sometimes on Fridays people are like, Oh, why are you talking about the cut line? Doesn't matter. Like all these different things. And it's like, no, it does matter because this kind of stuff can happen. It doesn't happen very often, but um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, 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 it was crazy. I, I thought Adam Long was going to win the tournament for a little bit <laughs> and then Thompson well, my- closed and he didn't, but yeah, the, the cut line matters on Friday for a lot of, a lot of different reasons. Well, mark the time quick because he has my Bob Jones reference and we haven't heard about speech from colleges yet. Oh, you know, you Jones, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I will. Jones at the Masters, that's where the 10-stroke rule applies because Bob Jones always believed that if you were inside of 10, after the 36-hole cut, you had a chance to win. And, and, and it's, it, it's becoming more and more the truth because those guys playing at the end of the day with some spiked-up greens, little breeze freshens in the afternoon, Pressure is up. Those guys in the morning, they get out there and they get bananas and then you wait around and all of a sudden you may stumble into one. Like the US Open, now I'm going way back and showing my age. When, um, when Tom Kite won at Pebble Beach, Monty had posted at like 11 a.m. in the morning and then you just saw folks getting blown out into the Pacific Ocean and he nearly pulled it off and but for some histrionics by Kite, you know, we might have seen Monty with a US Open. Uh, one of my golf rules that I would change, I would, I would like to see every tournament just be, have the cut be whoever, whoever is within 10 shots, whether that's yeah. 10 guys or a hundred guys, whoever, like make the, cool. <laughs> right, make the prize pool, pay it out towards 18 guys on the weekend. I don't care. That would uh, be sweet. Cause it would, and also give some guys incentive to like go really low on Friday and try to eliminate a bigger portion of the field, right? Like extend yourself. It would be, it would be cool. That would, I'm way in on that. <laughs> yeah. Think about like Webb Simpson at the players, right? Shoot 66, 63, and there's like 20 guys playing on Saturday. That would be, it it would get a little, (laughs) a little dicey. It would be, it would be awesome. Um, Greg, let's talk Tony Fee now. I I don't know. I I mean, the numbers, I I don't know what to say, right? I mean, another, another event where Tony is going to have a great finish. He's going to be in contention and he's not going to be the one to raise the trophy. And it is now like, statistically improbable for him to have this many top fives, this many top tens and, and not win. And I don't know if it's just um, mental at this point, right? I mean, he's got a new bag man. Maybe he wants to hear a different voice The the numbers really bear it out. He's awesome. Scoring average Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He's terrible on Sunday. I don't know what it is, but that's where we're at. There, there's after seeing this one, like a lot of the Tony Fino uh, losses, you can make excuses for, right? Xander 
Xander clips him after a great round on Sunday in China, but Xander's, you know, one of the best players in the world. And then, uh, and then Webb Simpson beats him on Sunday with great finish down the stretch, makes three birdies in a row, including the playoff to end the thing. And you can kind of make excuses down the line, the Memorial, the conditions get really difficult and it was hard for everybody. And, you know, the breaks didn't go his way. You, you can always make those excuses, but this week, is a little bit different. It's hard to find an excuse that Michael Thompson beats you on the weekend if you're going to consider yourself one of the best players in the world. Yes, it can happen. It can clearly happen. But now you're talking about 30 top 10s on the PGA Tour since 2016 and 17, I believe, without a win. And there's a point where you have to you have to step up. You have to turn the corner and you have to get the job done and go out there and take it. And I look to the middle of the back nine. He gets to 10, makes a birdie on 10 to, to take the lead. And all of a sudden he, he misses a great birdie opportunity on the par five 12th, tries to hit a flop shot after missing the green to the right. Can't make birdie misses a birdie putt on uh, a four, a five foot putt on number uh, 13, the par three for par. That was huge. Misses on 14, misses on 15. You go through the entire the entire round of golf and he's missing putts narrowly. And ultimately at some point he has to flip a switch and go out there and take a tournament the way Webb Simpson did to him at the waste management Phoenix open. You have to step up and, and attack on Sunday. And right now, for some reason, Tony Fino hasn't, hasn't figured out how to do that yet. Greg, I'm glad you said that because I, I, I look, I did a Carl Porter and Eric Gaiman. I did a deep dive into the numbers you know, looking at Tony Finau, trying to figure out the thing. And what you say, the, the numbers bear it out, Greg, because of the last seven holes, and, and, and basically the rule goes, you miss putts, you miss cuts, all right? And if you miss putts on a Sunday afternoon, you're also not winning tournaments. And he lost strokes on the greens on four of his last seven holes. Now, the great closers, they guys who make those five, six, seven, eight-foot stuff, regularly on the way in. If you go through any tournament highlight reel, you'll see the winner making the lion's share of putts coming down the stretch. Wait, they usually so, show made putts on highlight reels? They don't show the best uh, ones? Okay. <laughs> well, well, I mean, think of Woods. When he was dominant, if he was over 15 feet, you were betting on Tiger making, right? And, and that's over? why he won lucky then. And, and, so, and so that's the thing with Finau. He's just got to figure a way now because – the ball striking was impeccable, as it always is with him. I mean, the mindset was impeccable. He doesn't blow up and, and get all you know, antsy with himself, but he just doesn't make putts when it counts. And then the scrambling numbers on the final day were ludicrous. I mean, he was 6 of 12 scrambling. You are not going to win on a Sunday if you're only getting the ball up and down one out of two times. I'm sorry. So, so I mean, the mission is clear if he wants to win. Go and iron out those things because we know he's got the weapons. I know this is going to shock you guys, but I actually disagree with Mark here. I think that <laughs> I I was disappointed with how he drove the ball all week. He finished 29th in, oh, in uh, strokes gained off the tee. What? Really? Yeah. Tony Fino should not be finishing 29th in strokes gained off the tee. That's like, I, I, I feel like, and Rick and I talked about this on Saturday. You go to some of these holes and it's like, it's almost like they're trying to figure out what the plan is like right before he hits the shot. Like it, it doesn't feel very mapped out and, and who knows? Like I, I'm not there. I, I, I I'm an idiot. I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I don't, I, I do know that Tony Finau shouldn't be finishing 29th and strokes hand off the tee in a field like this, right? How's like, that, he should, huh? How's that going to, how's that going to help him make a five footer on 13 when the chips are down? 
because or the five footer because the five footer will be a three footer instead because you're closer to the hole. All right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't look at this as as a, a, a numbers thing with him right now. I, I just don't. I think there there are different tournaments where different things get him, but something gets him. And to me, it's an attitude thing, and it shows up on the greens. Like there's a there is a type of player that wills the ball into the hole when when as Mark says the chips are down, and there's a type of player that that doesn't. And Sergio Garcia and Tiger Woods are great examples. Sergio, the ball always seemed to lip out, right? I think of 2007 at Carnoustie, 2008 at uh, at Oakland Hills. All these countless moments in majors where it lips out, and for Tiger, they always lip in, and and it's an attitude thing to me, and that's where. That's where I draw the line. He gave himself plenty of opportunities on Sunday on the back nine, and he didn't capitalize on any of them. Not a single one. Not on 12, the par five. Not on 16, the par five. It was it was 18 when it's over, and birdie's not enough anyway. So, of course, he makes birdie there on 18. And so it, it's all attitude for me. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. And I think that, you know, we were talking, or I was talking earlier about how it seemed like Thompson engaged the – situation he engaged the moment right he just he, yeah. and he talked about i just read through his his uh his press conference transcript and he was talking about how him and his caddy were saying like you got to step up and hit a golf shot and it doesn't feel like fina and and that can apply to putting and chipping obviously as well it it, it just i don't know i never get the sense that fina is like gonna step up and hit the shot right and and yeah I, he's done it i i don't think he can't do it but I never feel like he's going to, I mean, to play the last eight holes in even par on that course when you're Tony Finau and you've got an opportunity to win right there. I just, it's kind of weak. Like it, it just, it doesn't, I, I don't know. I, I like Finau. I think he's a good, I think he's an unbelievable player. I think he's a great dude, but it was just kind of another week ending to a long series of them now for, for Tony Finau. He's going to have his brother on the bag uh, next week, the WGC and then at the PGA championship. And, and Mark, I'm wondering, you know, again, it's really hard to try to figure out what these guys are thinking, but I do wonder if it's just kind of a, a different voice, maybe just needs something different uh, moving forward. Cause he's, this is now going to be, or maybe Boyd summer Hayes was just kind of a, a fill in for a week. And, uh, but now a new caddy for, or for another week. Well, I'd made this point. I think uh, it was Greg and I that were talking. And and you'll start to get a read on what the player's mindset is when you start to see things around him moving. I mean, trust me, I've been a PGA Tour golf instructor. We were always second in line to get ditched if things weren't going right. <laughs> Caddy goes first, coach goes next, agent follows, and then farther down the track, your spouse will end up hitting the skids too if you're really serious <laughs> about things. And, and it's, it's the joke on tour, but it's the reality of it. So... So apparently Finau is looking at this going, well, like Jason Day did, I need a stronger voice on the bag, like a Steve Williams for argument six. Mm. Or, 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 or you need this, this, this rock next to you. This guy that can do like, um, like, like Michael Thompson's guy said to him, is like, okay, boy, it's time to sack up and hit one. I mean, we, we're not going to circumvent this because there are situations under pressure that you have to just step up and be a man about stuff. And, and maybe he's looking for a voice. Now, Boyd was a fill-in. He told us as much. Um, having brother on the bag, well, it's it, it sort of worked out some for Dustin Johnson. Um, you know, you can make the argument for Harry Diamond on Rory McIlroy's bag too. And, and everyone's critical at some stage. You've got to be comfortable. You've got to have that person that, that challenges you when need be. You've got to have the person that pats you on the back when need be. 
but 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 I think for Fina, look, the fire burns bright. He's a competitor, but he just needs he needs a little something. And I think perhaps a change in scenery with a caddy is a good start. All right, um, I'm very interested interested in this Tony Finau story because yeah, what, what's your take, Rick? Um, I think that he needs a different voice. I, this is actually my my uh, Jordan Spieth take as well, which is he just needs a different voice. Whether it's right or wrong, like like uh, Michael Greller could be the greatest caddy on the face of the earth, and he might be. Like I don't know, but but sometimes you need a different voice, and I think maybe, that maybe Spieth needs me on the bag. I feel like you'd be more, you'd be very supportive of him. That would be awesome. I, I think you'd be that, like that, that Ricky awesome Fowler for, commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Circle the dot. Square the. <laughs> empty the bank account to get KP on Jordan Speed's back. Like, can just, you imagine? I would, I would feed you. I, I would. Uh, I would funnel you all the. All, well, it wouldn't be very much, but I would funnel you the earnings. <laughs> can, can, can you? Can you imagine this? Uh, Carl, we choking, choking. Are we Carl? Carl, are we choking? Carl, are, Carl, are we choking? Yeah, feels like feels like we're feels like we're falling apart, buddy. Well, I would I'm, say no. It's not. This isn't a we. This is a you. Yeah, I'm not your buddy, and this is gonna be great to write about. So I'm have to tell you. Kyle say, Kyle say, don't worry. I I've played here before. Don't worry about it. I got us. I made yeah. I made a three here, Jordan. So. Uh, all right, we're gonna talk. One and done. We're going to talk about matchups, a couple other odds and ends. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. And we're back. Uh, Greg, do you own one of those Charles Schwartzel hats by any chance? Did you say <laughs> You know, it's funny you say that. that was- it's funny you say that. So I wear when I am when I'm teaching, which I haven't been doing much of this year. But when I'm teaching, I wear not a Charles. It's not a cow. Like that's a cowboy hat. I, I I go kind of like a. It's more like a Joel Damon, but a little bit bigger. I think they call it like an Australian one. Yeah, and it those are cool. does wonders. Yeah, it does wonders. Great. I mean. You're out there all day in the sun. You know what it's like down there in Texas, Kyle. Mark, yeah. you know what it's like out on the range. You you can't be applying sunscreen to your neck and your ears all day. So throw one of those on, and it's like wearing an umbrella. It's awesome. They're the best. It you would go, take a lot go. of money to get me into one of those things. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, Mark, Mark, Mark is just Mark's image conscious. I'm like Mark's too pride. Well, haven't you pride. seen my shirt? For goodness' sake! <laughs> yeah, you, you, I'm shocked Mark you don't have a, a matching hat for that. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mark, it, what's what's more likely, you wearing that hat or you carrying a seven wood like Charles was? Uh, highly likely that I'll have a seven wood in the bag. In fact, I'm fishing around for one right now. So, there you uh, go. Yeah, look, I, I need some higher launch uh, in, in my singles. <laughs> I've lost so much speed. <laughs> there you go. Producer, jo- Producer Jacob told me he has a seven wood in the bag. So uh, you'll be real just- men carry a seven wood. Tough. That's a tough scene. <laughs> uh, one and done. I mean, uh, KP, I guess you get the victory lap here. It's 193,000 points. From Tony Finau, um, 
which I think I, I'm like pretty positive. This is the first time you've earned points since the restart. Okay. We don't need to, we don't need, I, I'm not here to talk about the past. <laughs> well, now, it's, now I can stop talking about it. It's over. Uh, I thought it was more than that. I thought it was like 250. Is that wrong? Well, they had it. He split it, well, it a lot of ways. Yeah. They split it a thousand ways. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel good about the pick. It didn't, I, th- I think with the one and done thing, you just want somebody that's like in the mix on Sunday, right? Like, you know, I wish I could have well, like traded Finau for like two or three guys on Sunday. <laughs> we should be able to do that. That'd be sweet. Okay. We sh- listen. I'm up for whatever. Trade, trade guys. I mean, I had Tom or I had uh, I had EVR this week, so I missed. I had no money. Tommy Fleetwood takes down uh, producer. Greg, who did you have? Oh, you had you had I EVR had, as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Brutal. And Mark, you were on timeout apparently. I put, you had no myself, <laughs> I put myself in the penalty box because I was going through my picks, and I realized. <laughs> Um, there was an event where I was rushing to get somewhere and I realized I hadn't put a pick in. So I called up producer Jacob and I was like, Jacob, I want to go uh, Gary Woodland this week. So he's like, fine, I'll input this for you. And it occurred to me that that was me using Woodland twice. So, uh, so, so I penalized myself. This that's week like, and sat out. that's like double hitting the ball. Although it's yeah. not a penalty anymore. So you should, I think you should get away with it. It's about well, the joke, <laughs> Well, yes, the joke about using Woodland twice. Both times I didn't earn very many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like it was very advantageous uh-uh. if you're using it twice. Um, our matchups, Kyle, you are just killing life right now, my friend. You went four and three, but the I mean, it was a bloodbath out there. So, um, four of the top five betting favorites all missed the cut, and essentially every single one of the matchups that we had last week, the offerings, one of the sides Wait. missed the cut. Actually, there was no I- weekend sweat. Hold on real quick. I think that is wrong because I'm just seeing Russell Henley. I think I messed up the Matthew Wolf over Russell Henley line. Oh, Kyle. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Early celebrations. So oh, actually, actually, Moonlight won best picture because Rick, <laughs> Rick, uh, Rick had Matthew Wolf and Henley lost. Look at this coming wow. from right? behind. Hold on. This is so crooked. It's crooked. This is the best moment of my life. <laughs> what? Uh, so the go the spoils. <laughs> can we talk wow. about? Can we talk about the stars in this event real quick? DJ Brooks Fleetwood. Like, what? What are we doing here? Yeah, I, I don't. Okay. I don't. By the way, DJ's in the field next week. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. Like, it, it, I don't know what DJ is right now. I don't know. I mean, Paul Casey. Like, I. I, I don't. I guess, and I get it, like guys like Michael Thompson play great in certain weeks. And it's not like, it's not like you can go out in every round and say, oh, well, Brooks should always be better than uh, Russell Henley or Michael, whoever. But or, Chase. All, <laughs> or Chase, yeah. <laughs> but for all of those guys, all those big names, other than like Finau to miss the cut, it's kind of disappointing. I, I, I don't. They I don't all know. miss I, the cut. I think, I think this gets it. One of my things right now, especially going into um, Memphis, big week for me, by the way, going into uh, PGA, I don't know who to trust. Like, I don't know that I trust anybody at the, like at the top, right? Like the top guys in the world. Do I trust Bryson? I don't know. He just missed the cut at, at Muirfield Village. Do I trust Rory? He's been okay. Uh, do I trust Rom? Do I trust DJ? Bro, I, 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 like, is there anybody to trust here? Carol Hatton. 
he's been the best. He doesn't play often, but he's been like awesome when he plays. I think we're going to get, and, and Greg, I wonder how, like, I feel like we're going to get a revolving door of like the number one player in the world, which doesn't happen often, right? Cause there's only been 25 ever or whatever, but I feel like this is the perfect scenario. A bunch of different guys in the next 12 months that could have a, have a couple of hot weeks, jump up to number one and it just keeps changing hands. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Cause you got, you got Rory, you, you have all these guys we just mentioned, right. And Justin Thomas, don't forget about him. All these guys that have the game to do it, but John Rahm's game is complete. And this is something he's wanted to do for a long time since he was 14 years old. And if, if there's anybody that can, uh, I don't know, I, I think John Rahm is a, a little bit better of a putter than Rory McIlroy right now. So if he, were to hold on to world number one for a longer period of time, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so, but if Rory figures out the putting, then I think you're right. And you may have a Justin Rose Brooks Kepka back and forth week to week to week, kind of a scenario. Uh, I got a stat here from, <clears throat> I, I don't know how to say his name on Twitter, but I'm sure everybody, all of you guys follow him at VC 606. He's the OWGR mathematician. Yeah. Yeah. Nos, Nos, yeah. There, there you go. go. Yeah. If Rory, okay. So uh, for next week, if Rory finishes with a three way tie for T3 or better and JT, oh, or, or JT wins, either one of them could go back to number one. Yeah. But how about this? If Rory finishes a three way tie for, tie, for T3 and Rom finishes worse than T59 and JT doesn't win, then Rory and John Rom will both be number one. Oh, give me that. How cool would wow. that be? Well, okay, well, I think what the number one player in the world should be is every Wednesday, instead, like the charity match should be like a battle royale where like there's like the number one contender and like kind of like UFC or boxing, guys have to work their way in. And then if you take down the number one player in a nine-hole match on Wednesday, now you're the number one player. I, I like that. You should you should be the the golf czar. Thank you. So, That's, but the only thing is with that, you're now the number, you, world number one is to play five round tournaments. That's the, that's part of being number one. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, all right. I mean, that's done. life at the top of the mountain, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, you were the commissioner. You can you can choose whoever you want. You can make Rick the czar. Oh. Yeah, yeah I will. Remember Rick is. Rick is just using this podcast as a platform to make the case that he should be commissioner of the premier golf league. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, uh, my DMS are open premier golf league. Yeah, I've, I've, I've given up commissioner duties. I'm now caddying for Jordan speed. So <laughs> yeah, uh, true. I'd forgot. I forgot that. Um, so this, this kind of Mark, I asked you this about the other end of the player pool. Like, uh, okay. The tour is very deep when Adam long can go out and, and, play himself into contention after making the cut on the number, but it's also very deep on the other side. It's like a barbell or a dumbbell where the, the top end guys, there's like 10 guys who could be number one player in the world. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Uh, and then you're going to throw in them into the mix there, you know, horses for courses kind of element. And, and we're going to see some different looking venues over the next little while. I mean, we'll go from Memphis, Carl's favorite joint, which is going to be hard, fast and hot as Hades to San Francisco with pioneer grass, lush, rough, and it's going to be in the mid-60s and cold. And then from there, you head to Greensboro. And then from there, you head to Boston. And then you've got Chicagoland and Atlanta. And, and so it's all over the show now. So I think you'll start to see golf courses have a bit of an effect on where the rankings are. And there's one thing I know for certain. Both Justin Thomas and McElroy, they've been in the conversation. They both play well on those playoff courses. Rory's won in Boston. He's won in Eastlake a couple times. Justin's won in Chicago. Um, he's been close at, at, at he's, well, he's won East Lake, where he's been the, he's won the FedEx Cup. So, so, so when we start to get into playoff time, I feel like 
that barbell analogy you draw, Rick, might even be more apropos. But this time of the year with the courses, I think that's going to have a pretty big effect on, on who ends up, you know, galvanizing the position or if you see it being a little hot potato played with the thing. I love it. I love it. I think, um, I think Rory's going to win the PGA. That's a good take. call. Though. He won the that's match play there, right? The, the WGC I, match play was there. He beat John Rahm. Yeah. I, think. I, I did, he, I did, I, I did make the is. point. I made, I made the point, though, of all Rory's wins, only one of them have been on the West Coast, and that was in the match play. When you're putting on Poania just against one person, and, and he can effectively outgun somebody. So I'm keen to see what happens over four rounds when you have one or two of those bounces around the place. Because, Greg, you used the term about just mental wherewithal and fortitude. I mean, Poania greens in an afternoon with some cold weather, that, that, that is a mental grind. And, and, and that's the place where, you know, the, the, the real bulletproof sorts like Tiger Woods will find a way to make that 15 footer at Torrey Pines on the final green. So, so, so that with McElroy there is my, the, the only thing that has me with a slight question mark about his chances at Harding Park. Uh, real quick, before I forget to throw this in, Tony Finau lost strokes from Tita green on Sunday, gained strokes putting. So tough, tough look for you guys who are talking about how bad his putting was. Look, I mean, he missed a five foot. It, it, this is situational when you come down the stretch. When you yes, get to Sunday afternoon, it come becomes on, situational. He missed, he missed a, four, a five foot putt on number 13 when he's in the mix, right? He doesn't get up and down on number 12. I know. I, know. I, I, I feel you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I just, I, I was disappointed with the way he drove the ball. I thought he should have yeah. been better. I'll yep. just poke, pokes the bear over yeah, here. Yeah, you um, just poke. You get me all wound up here. I love it. I, I, love, <laughs> I love the debate it, because it's yeah. a real debate. It's a real thing. Like what you guys are saying <laughs> is totally valid. And I, I think, you know, I saw, um, I saw, I probably shouldn't bring this up, but I'm going to anyway. I saw Peter Costas tweeted today about how he statistics bore him. And that's. <laughs> I mean, he's, he said that on Twitter, like I, it's, you know, it, it's out there and I get that. Like, I, I totally understand where he's coming from and that's probably the way a lot of people think. Um, but I think that they do tell a story and what Greg and Mark are saying is, is also part of the story. It's not just one thing. It's all these different things that you have to take into account to put together the full story of a player and of a tournament. And it, even more so, cause we don't see every single shot right? Like we don't see all 275 shots from a guy in a given week. And so you're trying to piece all this stuff together and come up with a narrative. And I think that the debate is a really good one, especially around Fino. If, if, if I may add to that a little bit, um, if, if you ask Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, and those sorts of guys, Fino, if they would sacrifice a few spots strokes gained off the tee to gain a few stro- uh, spots strokes gained putting, I think they will happily take that trade. Then if you ask down the other side of the equation where someone's not that flush off the tee or not that long, you say, hey, I'll give you 20 extra yards and uh, you give me you know, one or two extra putts when it means something coming down the stretch. They'll make the trade too. Here's the thing when it comes right down to it. If you want to win and you want to win big events, you better be making putts when the reckoning is there to be had. Do you think Jordan Spieth uh, will coming down the stretch on Sunday needs to know like where he stands and strokes Gabe putted to get the job done? Is that the difference? Yeah, Kyle will tell him. Kyle, Kyle, just say, he, hey, look, he, if you hit he, this to twenty feet, you'll go to third, approach the green. 
That's embarrassing. <laughs> and then and then I can write an article that you can prove three straight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, listen, Mark Mark well doesn't said. believe me, but if you if you hit this tight, <laughs> that's good, Greg. I like that. Well uh, done, Greg. Yeah, all right, well let's let's wrap with this. The million dollar question. Greg, you and I are gonna do the full coverage on this for next week, but Early leans. I mean, what are we? I, I think there are a ton of question marks for the WGC yeah. FedEx next week. Is there one guy you've got a star next to his name so far? Yeah, I'll give you two. I mentioned him earlier, Kirill Hatton. I mean, I feel like it's crazy not to go his direction. He, he's all he's done is finish inside the top 16. Every event on the PGA Tour this year inside the top 16. He's definitely one. The other guy who I feel will get forgotten this week is Daniel Berger. Um, he's basically played TPC Southwind three times. Two of them are wins. In 2018, he missed the cut, but that was the year of his wrist injury. So I think Daniel, Ber- Daniel Berger is going to show uh, that he really is an elite player in this field. Yeah, I'm with you on Daniel Berger. I actually had his name sort of circled. Um, I don't know if Harris English is in the field. He plays that place beautifully. But I was there the first time Bryson DeChambeau got a start as an amateur. And he played beautifully around that place. And, and the way it sets up, it really lends itself. And this is right up your alley, Kyle. If you drive this thing well, because the greens are firm and fast, if you drive it a long ways down there, and you can, even if you're coming out of the rough, if you've got short clubs into those very firm greens, you have the advantage. Look at the guys who go well around there. They drive the ball well, like a Dustin Johnson, for argument's sake. So so, so I kind of got a bit of an eye on Bryson DeChambeau as well. And then I just want to see what Rory's up to. I mean, the, the way he hits it, the greens there are demanding. Now, they can drive you bananas because they're small and perched and firm, so you are going to have a bunch of chips outside, out of uh, rye, uh, not rye, uh, Bermuda rough. If you can't handle that sort of stuff, then it'll drive you bananas. But, but, but if you're striking it well, you're going to have the leg up at, around that place. Uh, I love the uh, Terrell Hatton pick, Greg. Uh, another guy, another uh, European Ryder Cup guy, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. He finished T4 there last year, uh, coming off that awesome round at the end of uh, Memorial uh, last week. So I don't know. He's, he's interesting. Webb has played well here. Yeah. Uh, he finished second last year and I think I trust him. He did miss the cut. Where did he miss the cut? Did he miss Memorial? Memorial. Yeah. He doesn't play great at Muirfield village anyway. Um, but I think I, I mean, I mostly trust him. He's only missed three cuts in the last whatever, two, two or three years. So I think he's not that there's a cut this week, but I think he's a, he's an interesting guy as well. By the way, last thing for me, I'll give anybody a hundred dollars. We were talking about the, uh, the 2018 players that web won. If you can tell me the three guys that tied for second without looking it up. Oh, I was typing. And Poulter was one of them. I know that wasn't it? No. Yeah. Poulter. Uh, that was, 17. Oh no, that was 17. That's okay, right. I don't know. Um, hold on. I don't know. It's <laughs> me neither. I can't it, give you one. I'd be guessing. So Xander's one. Okay. I remember that. Charles Schwartzel, no, no cowboy hat. And Jimmy Walker is oh, the other. Oh, you should have given a $10,000 wow. for that. <laughs> Well, yeah. I was, I thought you might actually, I thought you had, like had looked it up earlier and you just remembered it. There, there was a chance. Okay. There was a chance. I looked it up recently, but I would not, <laughs> not have remembered that. Uh, I do like, I do like Webb Simpson and I, I like, I like excusing his miscut at the Memorial cause it's better for my narrative that it's like, yeah. ah, he doesn't play well there or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but runner, runner up to Brooks Kepka last season. He's the guy I had underlined. We'll be back gentlemen. 
We're going to do DFS. We're going to do the storylines. We're going to do it all for the WGC, maybe even a little Barracuda. Careful. Watch out. Let me thank the boys from this evening, Kyle Porter. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. Greg Ducharme, you can find him on Twitter at The Real GFD. Mark Immelman, you can find him at Hello. Mark underscore Immelman. Aloha, Mark. <laughs> this Hello. has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.